Morning Crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got Gonzo, also known as Super G, joining us on this Tuesday. Jenna X is in the building, as well as XRP Pumping. And we've got Johnny Crypto joining us later in the show, so I'm very excited for today's episode. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how Mike Novengratz is predicting a Bitcoin ETF approval before the end of the year. We discuss what this could mean for the rest of the market as altcoins are pumping this morning as liquidity is moving from Bitcoin into some of the other projects involved with crypto. We're going to show you how the largest financial firms on the planet are beginning to leverage this technology, possibly leading to more utility this year. And with the most powerful financial firms on the planet in the process of turning to digital, we break down the details, showing our community how this next bull run is shaping up to be the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Gonzo, obviously XRP was moving this morning and I woke up to an Alex Cobb notification. XRP is pumping. I ran to the price charts. We're at 60 cents. So we are celebrating, but not quite what I was looking for when I got that notification. First of all, how are you feeling this morning, my friend? Thanks for being here. Yeah, man, it was like a 10% move, I think. Um, nothing to get too excited about. Uh, but yeah, good morning, everybody. Happy Halloween. Uh, I see Jenna's like dressed up with her ears. Sorry, I got my normal uh, sweatshirt on, didn't get to, to dress up today. But hope everyone has a good and safe Halloween and, and it's going to be a great show. Yeah, definitely the altcoins are, are moving. But like if we look at the overall altcoin market, it's just a lower high in the structure. Right, we had more money in altcoins back in April uh, of 2023 than we do right now. But all that means is like it's like a trader's market, right? There are different projects that are going to pop off. Juno ran 170 percent in the last 24 hours, right? So anyone in Juno, congratulations, take profits, right? And so it's definitely like a swing trader's market, and there's money to be made. Jenna, we're going to talk about utility coming to the XRPL all throughout the episode. As a new pilot out of Hong Kong confirms two things: one tokenization is here and two blockchain is absolutely necessary but we already have 177 live listeners joining us show us some love smash that like button what was your reaction to the news this morning xrp is pumping we're up two cents um well honestly i was in a trade so it was great i took profits um i know a lot of people were like no it's gonna keep going but i i know that with pumps come dumps so i'm just looking forward to find a new bottom and everything i was thinking around 58 cents but we shall see but it makes you feel so good right it's one of those things that gets your hype going it's like we believe we believe i think it's what is it called like a believe pump or something but yeah it's always beautiful to see an asset that you hold and you know you're very bullish on to start to make moves so it's a good feeling optimism has definitely entered the market whether it's bitcoin ethereum or xrp we're going to talk about it all today because as well as a bitcoin etf being approved there is now an application to turn a big an Ethereum ETF into a spot ETF product. And I don't see how they could deny it once they start approving these Bitcoin ETFs. But we're going to get this thing started the same way we always do by checking out the Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button if you're looking for updates all throughout the day. When we look at some of the daily movers this morning, XDC is up 5%, Atom Token up 4%, but the rest of the market pretty much down across the board. We've also got XRP up 2% this morning, sitting just below 60 cents as we speak. 
The total coin market cap is sitting at $1.27 trillion this morning. Bitcoin is 53% dominance. Ethereum is about 17%. And as like Gonzo said, there was actually more money in altcoins back in April of 2023. To me, that's actually a bullish sign. It tells me a lot more liquidity is about to enter this market. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 34200 Ethereum, 1795 XRP is $0.59, cents, and Cardano struggling this morning, sitting at $0.39. Cents. And we already got 215 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're going to talk a lot about Ripple today, but I thought this would be a great place to get it started. This is a Ripple employee, and this video is from Flip the Chain on Twitter. Go follow this account. He's brand new. Already got 2,000 followers. But they're explaining how this is the fifth time Ripple has been through a crypto bear market and how they've done the same thing they've always done, expand and make acquisitions. And the market has gone up and down, hasn't it? Uh, so what's your outlook for this space and any advice you'd want to end on there? Yeah, so we've seen multiple of these cycles, right? I think we're probably in our fourth or our fifth crypto winter, as we call mm-hmm. it. We've had held steadfast on the view that if you build and you solve real-world problems, you'll be okay. We're super fortunate that even throughout this cycle, mm-hmm. we hired over 350 uh, talent into the company. We're not immune. We'll continue to invest sensibly. But keep building and keep solving. That's our motto. And the market has gone up and down, hasn't it? Gonzo, and that really speaks for itself. We didn't need to hear that from a Ripple employee. You can just watch what they've done throughout this bear market. And really briefly, I just want to break it down. We acquired Medico. We partnered with Tranglo. The lawsuit ended. We partnered with the ISDA as well as Algorand. That's a derivatives association that processes over a quadrillion dollars per year. So although it's a bear market and we've seen prices depreciate, when you look at individual projects like Stellar, XRP, even Ethereum on some level, things are better than ever. So what do you take away from this news before we dive into our daily topics? Yeah, it's all about risk versus reward, right, Abs? And so when you're looking at where you're going to put in your hard-earned money, you want to look at these projects that have been here and that have, that are becoming our blue chips that have uh, that have uh, been tested through time, right? And XRP is one of them, right? Ripple continues to, even on the downtrends, to expand and build multiple use cases. Dude, they survived the SEC, right? Everyone thought that was a death warrant. Besides the people like us that were in the space that like doubled down and got more, right? Like the rest of the world thought that that Ripple, that XRP was dead and it wasn't. So they've survived a lot. So when you're looking at risk versus reward and what projects you want to put your money into, um, it lends to like, they're going to continue to build. And there are things that they're use cases that we haven't even thought of that are going to come in the future. That makes me hella excited, right? There's always a piece of that portfolio that you should have for newer projects that are a little bit more speculative. Like, you know, Jenna talks about chasing those thousand X gains. So that's always good to have that in your portfolio. But like, you know, if you're a little bit more conservative, like these are the projects, this is why we love XRP because of the real world solve that it provides um, and, and where it's going in the future. Jenna, there's an old saying in the traders market. It says the longer the base, the higher in space. And that's what we're witnessing here with XRP. So before I kick it over to you, I do just want to break down this price chart. Back in 2017, XRP in 240 days did a 70,000% gain. That means for every dollar you invested, it was worth over $7,000 after that 240 day period. Ever since then, the XRP community has been waiting for a repeat in history. And although it may not be exactly the same, This is what people are anticipating. Once we get a breakout, entering a bull market, getting utility, maybe even some central bank digital currencies are in the market, 
We're anticipating XRP could go to five, 10, 12, even $25. And it's charts like this that only add to the hopium. But I did just want to get your opinion really briefly. What are you anticipating for XRP overall? You executed a successful trade. Are you optimistic in the long term? Oh my God. Yeah. I'm optimistic in the long term. I have, I think 75% of my portfolio now is still XRP that I keep in a hodl bag and then I'm diversified into other things, but I also keep a trading bag on the side because I like to trade XRP to make more XRP, right? Makes sense. And I like to trade other crypto as well, but yes, very bullish on the long term. Um, you know, what was that up to like a hundred and something dollars? You know, I would not be mad. Listen, I don't rule anything out. It's crypto, right? Anything could happen. And that's why we have Merlin that we know when we take our gains and then don't dump all of your bags, save some aside in case it does pump like crazy. You just don't know. And I think a lot of people were overhyped about the resolution of the lawsuit. And a lot of people are underhyped about the movement that we're seeing today. If you look on Twitter, a lot of the comments are negative about XRP price movement. And what I think, Gonzo, is it's PTSD from previous cycles. This is a new time, guys. And we are seeing not only new utility come into the market, the governments are beginning to regulate crypto. And that's the best thing that could happen right now. That's a video I want to play next, Gonzo. We're going to talk about Cynthia Loomis and how for a while we thought she was a good player. We thought she was one of the sheep. But turns out she's just a wolf in sheep's clothing. Here we go. Regulatory framework by utilizing what's in place now. Uh, most cryptocurrencies are uh, commodities, uh, which would put them within the jurisdiction of the uh, Commodity Futures Trading Commission for trading spot markets uh, and futures markets. So you would agree with Chairman Gensler that most of them probably are securities. And I take it your legislation isn't meant to change that. No, it's just that people didn't read it properly. We just said that there are commodities and Bitcoin is one of them and Ether and a few others probably are as well, but that there's a test. It's called the Howey test. It's worked and we updated it to actually work in the framework of digital assets. And if there's 15,000 cryptocurrencies, that means 14,900 and something are securities. So that's a lot of work for the SEC to do. Uh, most cryptocurrencies are uh, commodities. So it's really unfortunate. That was only a year clip, the difference in those clips right there. But one of the things that sticks out to me is the opportunity to make money by regulating the crypto market. And that's what I think we're witnessing right now. Giving a free pass to Bitcoin on some level, it seems like the easiest move just because of the decentralization narrative. When you talk about regulating competitors out of the market, that's where I think Cynthia Loomis' opinion really comes in. But Gonzo, I want to start with you and we'll kick it to Jenna. Yeah, you know, you're picking and choosing uh, winners and losers, and that's just not that, that's just not okay. Like everyone thought that she was like on the side of crypto, but you can see that at the end of the day, these guys are all about being uh, voted back in. Like there's a cycle, and they're gonna go with what they feel their voter base is. And if you think about it, like right now we're seeing a shift in wealth, right? From the boomers as they get older, as they're in retirement, as they start to pass away, it's being passed down to the younger generations, but they still have like the voting power, right? So these guys like Elizabeth Warren, Warren they're, they're, they're like stuck in that mode that, you know, these boomers don't want to change. They don't like technology, right? Because they're set in their ways. They were raised that way, right? And so what we're seeing is a shift. Like, look at what's going on with the presidential election, right? You have like Biden and Trump don't really talk about crypto, but all the new people that are coming up that are running, they've all kind of added it to their platform, right? They're all talking about Bitcoin. They're all talking about cryptocurrency regulation, all that stuff. It's going to be a piece of, of, of the election um, next year. And I think that just goes to show to younger generations, right? We just need 
a shift in that power and we're going through that pain point. But I, I mean, at least like Gary Gensler, yeah, he did a flip from MIT, but like he's been pretty consistent since day one, right? Like at least he's in your face and he's telling you how he feels. Like she's flip-flopping. I think that's worse. Jenna, I want to kick it over to you, but this is a great video we have from David Schwartz explaining how Bitcoin, it's more centralized than XRP. Here we go. I started in November in 2011. These are some of the early days of the development of Bitcoin and the cryptocurrency movement. And really all there was was Bitcoin and a couple of clones. And this was right around the time when the first cracks in the sort of mining narrative were, were becoming visible. Back at the time, most people thought that, um, proof, that proof of work was sort of the secret sauce that made Bitcoin what it was. And the first cracks were first starting to show the idea at the time was that anybody could mine and that that would be a great decentralizing force. And I think we know now that mining has become very consolidated and that it is not a, a, a decentralizing force. The decentralizing force is all of you. The decentralizing force is the community. The decentralizing force is that the ledger is public, is that it's open source, that all the transactions are public, that everybody knows what every transaction does. So I want to go. I started in November in 2011. So Gonzo, I saw you shaking your head. So I'm assuming that you disagree. So let me outline what he said, and then you give a response. What I think David Schwartz is hinting at here is the centralization of mining, specifically in the United States. The four largest Bitcoin miners are indirectly owned by BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street when you look at the majority owners of those companies. So what I think David Schwartz is really indicating is that if you look at where Bitcoin's being mined, it's happening in China, it's happening in the U.S., and it's a small group of conglomerates that are controlling that Bitcoin mining. So with that being said, floor is yours. We'll kick it to Jenna. Yeah, but I mean, does it make it not decentralized? I don't know, right? Because I'm, I'm not a developer. I understand but that's the way that it always plays out, right? As we go through these cycles, like you're going to get certain supplies that get centralized, right? Like you get weak hands that sell to stronger hands, right? Not just in Bitcoin, but any of them, right? You have people that come in, they get trapped at the top and then they sell off, right? And who do they sell off to? They sell off to people that have more, um, that, 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 that are not true believers. The word escapes me, but um, have more conviction, right? That have more conviction. Um, I think when you look at all the different blockchains, depending on what statistic you look at, some of are more centralized than other, some are more decentralized than others, right? Sometimes the network is more decentralized, like in Bitcoin, but you're right. The Bitcoin mining is becoming kind of a centralized space because it's becoming more and more expensive to mine Bitcoin, but you're going to need that, right? You're going to need these guys to secure the network, right? And as, as they cut the rewards in half and it becomes more expensive, right? You're going to need these entities. Just like as much as we hate it, right? The ethos of crypto, you're going to need TradFi to come in. Why are people so happy about the spot ETF? Because it opens up a pipeline in into our world from TradFi, right? And that's just one of many pipelines are to come. But to turn this into what we want it to become, forget about like the next cycle, seven to ten trillion. Once real world assets hit and that kind of money, and then the hedge funds and everything else, we're talking about hundreds of trillions of dollars. But in order to do that, we're going to have to allow them to come into the space. And it changes the ethos of why we came here in the first place, right? Gonzo, you paint a very optimistic picture, not only for Bitcoin, but for altcoins as well. And it's ironic because this morning, Ripple released a new report titled Unlocking Real Estate Revolution, the EHKD, which is a digital pilot program based out of Hong Kong. Think about it like a central bank digital currency. There were five key takeaways from this pilot. And one of them, actually two of them, if you include these two, 
was the tokenization of real world assets and how it enhances what the banks are already doing. The only reason people are getting involved in this market is because they're ready to make money. Johnny Crypto says, cheaper, faster, better. If you can tokenize your real estate, you can take that value and allocate it into other places. That's exactly what companies like BlackRock are looking to do. And uh, Jenna, one more thing before I kick it over to you. We're talking a lot about Hong Kong and XRP. Quant Network is another one that's going to be taking center stage during this next bull run. And this was the latest update out of Quant Network this morning. They had a publication called the Digital Innovation Summit of 2023 held in the United Kingdom. And look at who was sitting on stage together. You have the Bank of International Settlements, the Bank of England Central Bank Digital Currency Director. You have Citibank. You have the executive director and policy lead for the Digital Pound Foundation. And of course, the king himself on stage, Gilbert Verdian, also known as the founder of Quant. So a lot of exciting news, not only for XRP, but for Quant as well. What's on your mind, Jenna? I said a lot there. Yeah. Um, well, if you're not bullish on Quant yet, like I don't know what it's going to take. Like, hello, it's literally right there, right in front of your face. Look at everyone that has just come together right there. But I do want to back it up, Abs. Um, first of all, XRP wicked down to my next buy-in at 58 cents, um, a little over 58 cents. I was right. I called that. Um, so I'm just kind of proud of myself there. But anywho, I want to talk a little bit about um, what David Schwartz was saying about you know decentralization and everything like that, that being all of us. I think right now that Ripple is finding out exactly how decentralized the XRPL is. And we just saw that Zahao went live today. That's their the side chain slash not side chain hooks, um, smart contract capabilities. So Zahao Network is live today. And what we're seeing right now is XLS 30 is not being passed by these validators, right? It's getting denied. And a lot of these validators, they are running projects on Zahao. So they are all around the table and everything like that. So I think it's something to keep their eyes on because just because, you know, what David Schwartz says, it doesn't mean that he, you know, is God in this case, you know what I mean? So if people don't like what Ripple is doing, there's enough that banded together right now that said, no, we don't like this. Go back, do more testing, come to us later. We're going to develop what you haven't. Um, there's a reason why the XRPL, um, why Ripple has not implemented smart contracts. It's not that they can't, of course they have the capability, but because they don't want to. And why? Because maybe it'll make the network more congested, slower payment transactions, et cetera, et cetera. So of course, the how network took it on upon themselves to go ahead and create this so that we have that capability. Now it's on Ripple to actually like acknowledge them, work with them and say, hey, they are a part of the XRPL ledger or this could get pretty wild waiting for XLS 32 go live. So I'm just kind of watching that. I love that point you made, Jenna. If the XRPL was centralized, Ripple would just pass the amendment. So that's a primary example of how it's more decentralized than Bitcoin. And we already got 402 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button, Gonzo. If I can kick it back to you for some quant comments, I think it'd be very good. Just because this update, these types of updates are way more important than short-term price action. Gilbert Verdian sitting on the floor with the founder of City. We got the Bank of England, the Bank of International Settlements. I want to hear what your thoughts are. Floor is yours. Yeah, it's it's the same thing like building these relationships and working with the banks. They see an opportunity, right? Because it's not even blockchain. It's kind of the same thing that we do. We talked a lot about like, and I know more about Link. That's what I kind of referring to. But it's kind of like that same ethos, right? Like they see an issue. They see infrastructure that is existing and they want to build on top of that, right? So they can connect to blockchain. Same thing with Quant. It's not blockchain, right? But it's a connection point. 
And so whether it's quant or CCIP with link, these guys are seeing a need inside of the banks that have tons of liquidity and be able to move that value. And so they're building it out for them, right? And that's why we're super bullish. Like if you just look at the price action, like since the big correction that we got, which like if you listen to Raul Paul, the major like correction or the bear market bottom was in June of last year, right? Is when the ETH bottomed out. It's when Quant bottomed out. Quant bottomed out like 60 bucks. We haven't even gotten close to retesting that. We got down to what, maybe 80 bucks? Like the, the reason why is because it's a strong project. You got people that are just diamond handing it and they're waiting for what this thing is going to build in the future. Absolutely, guys. And we got 408 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Coincidentally, the Merlin man himself, Mr. Johnny Crypto, just jumped in. We're talking about the quant price chart and we are showing it. What Gonzo just broke down is how cyclically Gonzo, or sorry, not Gonzo, quant has performed very, very well in coordinates with Ethereum. What we're seeing right now is optimistic price action all across the altcoin market, XRP, quant network. A lot of these tokens have been performing well over the last week to week and a half. Now we're seeing a slight pullback this morning. So with that being said, Johnny, first of all, how are you feeling? And I'll kick you a question. Well, Abs, I'm feeling great. Good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs. I love you and appreciate you guys for showing up every single day as we do. More importantly, great to see, you know, Gonzo here. And look at Jenna. I'm loving those ears you're sporting there. Jenna, those are cool. Johnny, where's your ears? You need ears, uh, Johnny. It'll be a long time before you see me wearing ears. <laughs> <laughs> awesome guys and we're gonna jump right into this ripple content here because this is something that i found to be extremely interesting actually you know what johnny give me one final comment we're we were talking previously about how quant network ceo gilbert verdian was on stage with the policy director of the digital pound foundation as well as citibank bank of england and the bank of international settlements this just happened a couple of weeks ago the digital innovation summit what do you think about gilbert verdian sitting on stage with the most powerful people in finance well, the most powerful thing isn't what they say on the stage, Abs. Unfortunately, what's very powerful is when they get off that stage and they go in the back room and, and the conversations they're having, right? That, and like I say, right here it is, it's right here. I, I'll rub it, I'll put it up there again. It's not what you know, it's who you know. And that's the most important thing, having relationships, having trust, being able to build those things. So it's hard to say with not being there, but the fact that they're there, I'm sure they're having you know, healthy conversations about the future, about the technology, where it can play a role. And that's the kind, and that's why he's there. And so it's a good thing that he's there building those relationships for the ones he doesn't have, you know, fostering them and then, you know, keeping the ones going that you do have. So nonetheless, um, you know, quant for me is one of those where something has to solve the problem of interoperability. And there's a few choices out there. You know, we know there's things like, a link that's out there in Adam. But to me, it's it's one of those that when you when you look at your portfolio, you want to make sure it's in there. And uh, I, I'm excited for them. Don't forget the price. This thing has gone up as high as 400 and it's got a very, very limited supply. So its price could have a very, very, if this thing catches fire, this thing could run pretty high. We're talking into the four digits. Well, here's what's really interesting, Gonzo. Not only is crypto performing well, we are seeing a, what do they call it? A divergence, a decoupling is what they call it. A decoupling from Bitcoin and the S&P 500. What happened over the last couple of weeks, Bitcoin's been up and S&P's been going down. And that's what I'd like to focus, focus on for just a couple of minutes here. But this was the breaking news I found yesterday. And I find this to be so exciting. As an Ethereum investor, which I do not hold a lot of Ethereum for the record, but as an Ethereum investor, 
this is going to be a huge catalyst for price. And I do think it's something that's inevitable for the American markets, Gonzo. An Ethereum spot ETF application is sitting on the desk at the SEC. As Grayscale currently holds a license for Ethereum futures ETF, they're trying to convert that into a spot ETF product. What do you think? A Bitcoin ETF is obviously on the way. How long until we get an Ethereum product in the American markets? I think it's just a matter of time. And then what you're going to see is like, uh, you know, we say this all the time, what comes first, the chart or the news, but you could see it structurally on the ETH chart, right? It's done weaker, not just in the ETH Bitcoin pairing, but the chart is weaker, right? Like we've got a constant uptrade in Bitcoin and ETH after like the merge, we've been kind of like on this downtrend. And so I could totally see once we start getting this narrative, right? Once the spot ETF is approved for Bitcoin and the narrative shifts to the ETH spot ETF, everyone's going to try to front run it. Just like we're trying to see people front run Bitcoin right now. And the rotation of capital will go into ETH and ETH will close the gap on the chart, right? It'll close that space. So for example, that $32,000 level that we were just getting crushed by on, um, at, on Bitcoin is the $2,000 level on ETH, right? So once we break that and then like on Bitcoin, it, once we get to like 34, 35, that's like 2,500 on ETH. And then we get a 40,000 Bitcoin, you're getting a $3,500 Ethereum, right? There isn't much space. Once we lose 25 to that 35, that $1,000, there isn't a lot of trading resistance there. So it can rip up. So you get a $40,000 Bitcoin, you could easily get a catch up, especially with the narrative of the spot ETF of Ethereum, where it can close the gap and then, and then make a significant move, which is great for the altcoins because ETH is the king of all the altcoins. So that liquidity rotation runs and then they all get pulled up together, right? The only thing that's going to bring us down, right, in a correction is Bitcoin dominance dropping and then ETH drop. I'm not sorry, ETH. Bitcoin dominance dropping and then the price of Bitcoin, uh, price of Bitcoin dropping. Then that'll pull down uh, the altcoins. But for now, Bitcoin's moving sideways. Dominance is correcting. So the alts are moving up. Johnny Crypto, we started off this episode with a video of a Ripple employee explaining how they focused on two things during the bear market, expanding their business and making acquisitions. They hired over 350 employees since the beginning of the bear market, and that's just another positive sign for the project overall. But look at the price chart that everybody's anticipating we are going to see over the next couple of years, Johnny. This is the XRP price chart, and they took the 2017 price action, pasted it onto what we're experiencing today. Now, that would take us to $170. I'm not optimistic about that price, but if we can get to $12 on the XRP price chart, that would also be uncharted territory. And what we're seeing this morning is a classic testing of a previous resistance at 60 cents. XRP has struggled to get through these ranges. 59 cents was a big point of resistance for this price chart in the past. And so it's no surprise that we went up to those levels, slightly broke above, and are now back testing the 58 cents like Jenna had mentioned. So first of all, I'm throwing a lot at you, but this is what I wanted to say. Ripple released a new report last night, Ripple's pilot unlocking the real estate revolution. This was a Hong Kong central bank digital currency pilot that was focused on tokenization. And these were the five key takeaways. I basically took a two, three page document and summarized it into a couple bullet points here, guys. So this is pretty much what happened. Tokenization of real estate equity was a big takeaway from this pilot as Hong Kong is demanding liquidity from property assets interoperability of tokenized assets, making things smoother and safer, empowering commercial banks, allowing lending to be more efficient, Lien tokenization, which is property deeds being tokenized, 
CBDC flexibility, which is adaptable to economic shifts. And we already got 415 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Johnny, it's these articles that I think are more important than price action. Look at what's happening right now. The tokenization of real estate is a market that isn't even a billion dollars. I showed a graphic at the beginning of the show. There's only $700 million worth of tokenized assets on all blockchains combined. So think about that. None of that exists today. We are basically at the inception of a market that could be bigger than crypto. This market could easily reach a trillion dollars in total market cap over the next five years. That's where all of crypto is combined. So you give me your takes. Let's kick it around the group. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the thing is all these companies realize and understand that the, the, the market, the tokenization market is going to be huge. And they all want to have a solution to play there so they can get a piece of the pie. You actually said what I was going to say. The more important thing isn't the price chart. Forget the price chart. Take that price chart. We'll throw that so much out. We don't care about the price chart right now. It's not important. What we care about right now is testing and adoption. What you just said, trials, learning. these companies. You got to understand, these companies don't know the answer to what's coming and what's out there. Until they start testing and trialing these things. I'm in the technology space. We never know. We, we, we test different technologies all the time. Some work out great. 90% of the time, they fail. They're garbage. And we just throw them out. We say, okay, goodbye. Thank you. It was nice meeting you. You know, it was a date. And that's a, like a bad, it's like a bad date. You know, yeah, it didn't work out so well. Sorry, you got to go. Right? Johnny's had a few of those, huh? Yeah, well, we've all had a few of those. <laughs> just you know? teasing. But, but nonetheless, of course, but a long time since I did. But anyway, nonetheless, the point is, the, the dates are what you want to be seeing happening. And this is a good date for them. It's a good learning for them. And it's going to only continue to help them gain adoption, get their technology. They have to get their technology planted wherever they can. And they're playing in different places, right? So they got cross-border payment solutions, custody solutions, tokenization solutions. I told you, I really believe Ripple is going to be like the Amazon coming out of this fate, out of this, you know, this, this entire what do you want to call paradigm shift that we had, you know, from when we went from the internet, internet boom to now the web three, whatever you want to call it. Boom. I honestly believe not only will Coinbase be a big player in this space, but I believe ripple is going to be one of the biggest. I'm so excited for ripple, the company. You know, abs, I saw this uh, podcast with uh, Raul Paul and uh, the Wolf of Ross wall street, Scott Melker. And it really resonated me. And what they were talking about is real world assets, right? Tokenization and how, you know, we're still kind of early and you could see something like what we saw in the NFT market space where this cycle is kind of like the speculation where they're still kind of building the infrastructure and then they're doing tests and then we speculate on it, right? And it just runs those projects up and then we correct in the next bear market, but the technology really doesn't get implemented into the next cycle, right? And then the real value comes in like we're in the speculation phase the next cycle is where they actually adopt the technology and they're actually using it very similar to what we see with the nft market where it was all jpegs all this craziness we're correcting now and then like the real projects that have some real value will kind of rise from the ashes because they're kind of hitting their bottom now right and and then they'll run up right and so that really resonated with me because you can see that right we, we always get like the the uh, us front running and the speculation of it, but it takes time, like Johnny always says, for the technology to actually be implemented and for it to be tested and for it to work. So I definitely could see us like getting like the speculation part of it, making a shit ton of money. It corrects. And then in the next phase is when it really kind of rolls out. 
And, uh, and that next phase, Abs, that is not soon. That's the thing. We are in a speculative. This is going to be a majority of this next floor, and it's still speculative. You're not going to have 90% of these technologies up and running the world by 2024, 2025. It's not going to happen. Will, will it Will it be starting to get in place and some real beginnings of adoption? Yeah, compared to 2017 where nothing was happening except maybe smart contracts. But but will the whole world be like, are we going to go from speculative to utility overnight? No, it's not going to happen. It's going to take five to 10 years before we truly get to full blown world adoption. But will we be in the process of that? Yes. And you saw what the chart looks like as you've got the Amazon chart. We get a nice speculative run and then for 10 years it's flat. So, you, again, I'm not saying that's going to happen here, but like you often say. History doesn't repeat, but it often rhymes. So you already have the blueprint. Spot on, Johnny. And this is what I want to kick it to Jenna for. We talked a lot about the Ripple News. And there's two. I'm going to throw two comments at you, but I only want one response. So yesterday, we showed this price chart. We talked about how this is the psychology of the market sheet that they hand out on Wall Street. What is important to know about this? It is basically a copy and paste of the Bitcoin price chart from the 2021 cycle. And what I take away when I look at a chart like this is we are clearly through the capitulation, the anger, the depression, and we are finally entering the disbelief phase. And what's ironic about the narrative shifting right now is that the price charts going up, BlackRock's coming around. JP Morgan is testing tokenized assets. The XRP lawsuit is over. There's so many bullish narratives. The Bitcoin ETF is on the horizon that it tells me not only are these price charts similar because we're entering a new phase for crypto, these are similar in sentiment as well. The community... The crypto market overall is in a disbelief phase, but this is the transition I wanted to make, Jenna. Connecting it to the Ripple article, Johnny Crypto said we're four or five years away from implementation of these technologies. Is this a reason to be excited? Like Johnny said, these are important developments, but still, we're nearly a half decade away from implementation. Well, yeah, it's a reason to be excited. But I think going back to that chart, I think that we're closer to the hope phase or we might be in that or entering only because you have to look at all of the statements that are being made publicly and what BlackRock's been saying and the spot ETF, the having coming and the price going up. So I really do believe we're entering into that hope phase sooner than later. Um, yeah, I, this is exciting. But even if it takes four to five years, I think any XRP under a dollar, honestly, if you plan on hodling for a long time, that financial advice is really cheap. That is my own personal opinion, but I've always tried to get XRP under a dollar as much as I can, just because I do believe in it and everything that they're doing. Yes, it's a slow mover, but when she pumps, she pumps. And that way you have like, you know, you can take your gains, but you have more of a bag to work with. But, you know, for people who want to hold this asset for 10 years, there is nothing wrong with that five year, whatever your plan is, because I believe in them for the long run, they wouldn't continue to grow and do all the things they were doing if they were just going to go away, right? So I don't care if it takes a while. I'm bullish. So I'm just learning how to trade on the side. <laughs> Johnny, one quick question for you here, right? When you're looking at the market, the, the psychology of the market chart, I think there's something that's great about this. This market is totally manipulated, totally manipulated. I, I mean, I don't want to go through the whole thing throughout this episode, but one of the things that's great about manipulation is it works in both directions. These projects are manipulated down during a bear market. They are manipulated up during a bull run. That's what gets me excited about the fact that we are going to enter euphoria in 2024 and probably sometime in late or early 2025 as well. Gonzo did a great chart analysis and he showed us the peak of the next bull run is set to be November of 2025. That's two years away from where we are today. So that's why I think we're in disbelief. 
a little bit away from hope, but I agree with Jenna. It's debatable. Totally. So what do you take away before we move on, Johnny? Well, I mean, we're <laughs> regardless, we're in what I would call the DCA stage, right? This is why this is the stage I like. We're clearly, clearly in the accumulation phase, but we are definitely starting to heat up. There's no doubt about it. You know, and don't forget when you look at this chart, what nobody's looking at is that this belief continues over to the other side and there's a bear trap coming. So you're going to get it. You're going to get a pump. And, you know, and then there's going to be a major dump. And that's to shake out all the weak hands before they send this own bitch flying like they send it, like they never sent it before. It's going to go up. But you're going to see that, see that there, that, that disbelief on the left side? That's what we call, yeah, right there. See that dip right there? That's called a beer trap. That's where everybody panics to see that big trap. That's where a lot of people are going to get shaken out, Abs, who, who really aren't in it in the space or don't have the experience or just got in, they're going to get all, they're going to get, they're going to get dropped and then, and then they're going to send it. So I still think we're, we're a few months away before we start to even see the beginnings of that happening. Um, because first you need the, the, you know, the having, I think the kickoff, then I think it's going to be timed with the BTC ETF approval, which I could be wrong. And then they're going to hit an ET an Ethereum ETF approval. So you're going to get, Think of all the news that's going to come out, right? I, you know, I was talking about for any of this stuff to go up, let's just break it down to the very basic fundamentals. You need money. Money has to come in so the price can go up. And we're continuing to sit at $1.2 trillion. It don't matter. We're not going to see any kind of bull run that we've seen in the past with the same money just flopping in and out of different places. It's not enough. Because to get to where we saw before, we were as high as $3 trillion. That means we need $2 trillion at a minimum to come back in just to duplicate what we saw last year. At least that's how my brain, th- or last bull run. Right? That's how my brain thinks. So where's the $2 trillion coming from? Well, potentially, yeah, right. Potentially a BTF ETC will, a, blah, blah, a BTC ETF will help. I pull the gods over there with the horses, the race, the race, and the horse. And then we got now an Ethereum ETF. Maybe we'll see an XRP ETF plus you heard you heard your boy BlackRock there come out yesterday, Fink saying the thing that he sees about there's like almost a trillion dollars of of pump money that's gonna come out to next year. So, you know, now you're starting to say, oh, okay, you got a you know 350 billion coming there saying coming in for the Bitcoin ETF and a trillion coming from the government, and maybe another you know hundred billion coming in for Ethereum ETF. You could see uh, you know, we're getting there. So, but that's all gonna take time for that money to come in. So I'd say we're very, very early on, still in that disbelief phase. But to me, that and I know why we're in disbelief. Literally got a text from a couple of my buddies this morning. Johnny, you still in that crypto? You should sell that crypto. Like sell that scam stuff. And I, I just laughed. I'm like, yeah, I'm still in it. And I just bought more today because you think it's a scam. So I'm just going to keep buying as long as people think it's a scam. We're, we're still safe. We're still good. When my friends start saying, Johnny, you should buy crypto. That's when I'm getting the hell out because they're not believers. It's going to take a lot to make them a believer. Gonzo, we got 459 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. It looked like you had a response, so I just wanted to give you the floor. And then we're going to show a very cool Brad Garlinghouse video explaining how, for the first time ever, retail has an advantage over the institutions. But floor is yours. Yeah, no. What I was just thinking is, like, you know, what if it's a buy the rumor, sell the news event, right? What if it actually takes longer for the money on the spot ETF to really kind of come into the market. And what if we're just, this is all us rotation of liquidity, right? From the altcoins, some new money coming in and us trying to get 
ahead of the spot ETF getting um, getting announced finally, right? Uh, what happens, right? Like, so depending on if that's true or not, we get a major sell-off, we get that correction, right? Yeah, and right. then maybe the flow starts to come in, right? Depending on when they announce it, really will line up with the timing of the halving, the correction or kind of where we're at. I'm just saying, I, I, I don't, I don't think that's possible, but you always got to keep an open mind, right? How many times have we seen that? We saw them with the Ethereum merge, right? It was a really uh, buy the rumor, sell the news event, right? We never really broke over 2000. I get that this feels different and that we have all these narratives and all these people like Larry Fink that are telling us something different, but just be sure to just keep an open mind, right? But I will say this, we are closer to like the bull run than like any kind of like bottom the bear market to me is done with and we're kind of at a point where just how high is it going to go how low is that correction and then you know positioning yourself to dollar cost average in these corrections to kind of get a lower entry so that when this thing finally does rip for real right because we still got to look at what's happening with the macro right like we don't know what, what what's what, what came first right is it that the stock market had a hell of a run and now Bitcoin's catching up or did they divert, right? Because the stock market's crashing while the crypto market is, is moving up, right? But like, is it new money or is it that rotation of capital that we keep talking about, right? We still need to see what happens with the Fed, with the economy. Do we get a recession? Because eventually it's going to catch up to crypto, right? Eventually, once the spot ETF gets approved and, and all the hype is over with, what happens next, right? That's what I'm always paying attention to. Do we get some type of correction that brings us down, not to an all-time low, because the, I think the low is set, but just to some of these lower levels? Yeah, hey, I, I think God's have brought some that uh, maybe I haven't been very clear about, so I want to be clear about. First of all, Abs, you can see people are missing my ringer. Maybe I should turn it back on. They're having withdrawals, so I'm sorry for all your withdrawals. There is pushing medication. buttons this morning. There is live, medication. The live chat's pushing buttons. There is medication for that, so we can help you. But I just want to I want to reiterate something, because I think Gonzo said something that maybe I haven't been very clear about. I don't think we're getting a pump. That's going to be sustainable when the news comes out. It's going to be a pump and dump. No question. In my mind, it's going to go up. It's going to go down. Because think about it. Just think of the dynamics of how it works. The SEC approves it. The big boys are going to dump that news, right, while, while it's pumping. And they're going to take some equity out. And then it doesn't happen overnight that the whole world gets into a Bitcoin ETF. No, they get on the phone. They start calling, hey, listen, we got a BTF. Now you want to move some funds into it. Right? They're all going to start making phone calls. They're going to call their agencies. They're going to call all their investing firms. They're going to call their 401k partners. And they're going to start trying to get money to move into Bitcoin or into the ETF. It doesn't happen overnight. And so as that money starts to move in, you know, they, whoever owns the Bitcoin ETF, has to, has to buy the underlying asset and hold on to it. So, you know, BlackRock's going to have to hold on to your, or you're going to have to we'll actually we'll ask, we'll ask uh, Yusko this exactly how it works because he can probably explain it better. But how much ETF, you know, BTC, do they have to hold for the ETF? Is it a one-to-one -one ratio, which I believe it is, but we can find out. But somebody's got to hold that. And then think about what happens if all those other ETFs get approved. Then they all have to go and start buying up that Bitcoin and holding on to it as, as the world starts to fund. But that's not going to happen overnight. I mean, I know some of the pre-funding is already happening. But all the money that from everybody's portfolios and 401ks and when CNN and Fox starts talking about more people start flagging, that's going to be, I envision a lag. And I think that lag is going to happen right around the same time coincidental. 
with when we start to see things getting really, really exciting. In fact, that might even be the boost they use to really help us drive and get that boost of liquidity to drive everything up. So that's my guess. I, I never thought we was going to happen. You know, here's the announcement, and then the bull run starts. I, I don't think it's going to be like that. I, I don't think so. Here we go, Johnny. Here's another example of how our live chat is set to make historic wealth over the next bull market for one reason and one reason only. We are front running the institutions. And if you could have done this back in 2001, Johnny, you would have been a billionaire. We didn't even have the opportunity to front run institutions like we do today. So get ready for this, guys. This is Brad Garlinghouse, 25 second video explaining how for the first time ever, retail has an advantage over financial investors. The thing that's very different, and it, uh, I've been out in Silicon Valley for about 20 years. The thing that's very different about what's happening now versus the dot-com bubble is the dot-com bubble, it was the institutional investors who were in, and then retail came on top and priced things up. The exact opposite has happened here. You have retail and kind of speculative interest already in the market, and now you have institutional money kind of starting to come in. So I just wanted to play that because I think it highlights exactly what's happening with the ETF narrative today. Everybody who owns Bitcoin right now, congratulations, you're in before BlackRock. You're in before Grayscale. You're in before all of these powerhouses that are eventually going to go out and purchase large sums of Bitcoin. And Gonzo and Johnny, I know we both commented on this video yesterday, so I just wanted to get Jenna's comments. Jenna, what do you take away from Brad Garlinghouse saying crypto investors have a very unique advantage? They're ahead of institutions. I mean, it just makes me really excited to be in here early because it's like once we do, and like Johnny said, we hear all of the institutions talking about or whenever they're buying, that's our chance to be able to take profits and when everybody else is buying, right? So good for us, you know? Yeah, and I think, Abs, one of the things that's important, remember this. Let me just put it in context. We're only talking 4%, 5% of the world that was invest that's invested in crypto. So really? 4 or 5%. That's you all. Think right? That's it right now. That's all we have right now. So those are the. Those well, Jenna, that's a huge number. That's about. I mean, we're talking four hundred million people. Don't get me I wrong. Mean, but I guess. I, but I'm trying to say, there's four percent of the world or five that were smart enough to get in before the institutions. The reason why that's good, well, sad and good, fifty percent because you're never going to hundred percent. So if we get into the forty or fifty percent that's going to come in, they're all going to come in on the backside, as Brad said, and then retail. You, you already said you said institutions were in, and then retail pumped it up. I'm sure the same thing happened, well, back in 1997. There were free retailers that were in as well, a small percentage, one, two, three percent like today. And then retail and then invest and then institutions came in. So that kind of brings credibility to it. And then the rest of the world decides to follow. And that's why you saw, look at the Amazon chart apps, 97, 98, 99, you start to see the pump and then crashes in 2001. Right. So people started in 94, 95. Then you get the institutions, 96, 97, gets it hot. Everybody comes in and then the crash. Um, and so I think the same thing's going to happen now. You've got your four or 5% who are in right now. Institutions are coming in now, as Brad just said. We know it. And then when they get in, then all my friends and all your friends and everybody else who does it, who thinks it's a scam right now, all those suckers are going to come in later and they're going to really drive this homage up and we're all going to be getting out. So that's just how this game is going to be played. And hopefully we can all be ambassadors for our friends and family and try to save them and show them the light. But if they don't want to come in, well, there's an old saying, Abs, you can bring a horse to water, but man, you can't make them drink. Amen, Johnny Crypto. We got 463 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Gonzo, on our channel, we often talk about the Bitcoin ETF like it's a sure thing. That's because we are honest investors. This is somebody who I'm sure can't say the same thing about himself. Former SEC attorney Tom Gorman says that approval of a Bitcoin ETF by the SEC 
is not a given. And I just am playing this because this is Bloomberg crypto. So I'm wondering how many of the mainstream media outlets are also promoting this narrative? Here we go. What do you think? Is a spot ETF approval a given? Well, thank you for having me. And no, it's not. Uh, Gary Gensler and the SEC have done a very good job of really trying to regulate uh, with the existing statutes uh, how Bitcoin and other different kinds of coins are being, are being regulated here. They have not had anything where they've led them onto a securities exchange yet, which is what you're talking about. There are, there are coins on the commodities exchange because the regulatory scheme over there is different. So I think for them to let one onto an ex a securities exchange, which they regulate as opposed to the commodity exchanges, uh, is going to be a very difficult lift. And if it does happen, it's I would expect it's going to take a while and there's going to be a fair amount of regulation written around it. So that's enough of, of that nonsense because one of the things that's not debatable right now, Gonzo, is ARC has an application that needs to be addressed in January and Grayscale just won their case against the SEC and they're not, they're not appealing. So I'm going to kick it to you and we'll go to Johnny and Jenna. Yeah, the only way to be able to deny it at this point is they need to come up with a new reason, right? Because the reason that they were using as far as the market being manipulated or having to, to be of significant size and all of that, the judge threw that out. So technically, it's a very small percent. So for me, and I think for most people, it's not a matter of time. It's just a matter of when, right? It's, in, it's, it's, in, in, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. It's just when it happens, right? That main deadline's coming up in January 10th. If they're going to deny ARC's application, they have to come up with a new reason. Now, are there new reasons that they can come up with? Yeah, they can kind of attack the custody part of it. I think that's where the weak point is. But more than likely, uh, that's not going to happen. Maybe they delay it or they deny theirs and then they approve BlackRock because they're doing some backdoor deal. But it's just a matter of time. It just depends on uh, you know when it happens. Johnny Crypto, I saw you shaking your head. So clearly we agree on this one. This man is not to be trusted, but why don't you show people where he lies on that index and then we'll talk about the news. So he made it all the way up to like the red zone. I mean, you know, probably the red zone, right? He's not in the Gary Gensler, Jim Cramer phase. It's very hard to get in there, but he's definitely way up on, on the chart here. Although he very highly of Gary Gensler in that clip, which is <laughs> that, that, that just kills me. Come on. So Gensler's doing a great job. Are you kidding me? Gensler has done nothing to get for clarity. He's still saying, Oh, it's great. Come on in. We want to work with you. The form's right on the website. You download the form and it asks you how many shares you want to offer in a stock. I'm a crypto company. I don't have shares. It's not a stock. Come on now. Come on, Gary. So no, the reality is, you know, he has no clue. He just wants to be on news. He's irrelevant. He wants to make himself relevant again, kind of stir up some stuff. The reality is this thing is going to happen. BlackRock's already got the, the thing listed, the ticker. They've got the shares bought. We know what BlackRock gets, what BlackRock wants. Now, how it's going to happen is Kathy Wood's going to get denied in January, and then they're going to give, you know, they're going to get BlackRock theirs in March. I don't know. I don't care. It doesn't matter. I think one of them is going to get it. It doesn't matter how. The, the thing that's going to be interesting, if they deny Kathy, whatever reason they deny ARC, if they deny ARK Investments apps, they're going to, and then they want to approve, let's say, the following one they want to approve. Because I think they have only, I think they had the last It would one. be in March. It would so be like March. The ARK's in January. I think the deny or approve.
timeline is March for, for the rest of those applications. I it believe. is. But my point is if they deny Kathy in January and then BlackRock's expires in March, they have to change their opinion in two months. That's the, you know, so what's going to be, now don't get me wrong, right? We're living in WWE. So they could have a storyline. Like, okay. We're Johnny, can I on. jump in really briefly? Yeah, so I think you can connect exactly what you're saying to the psychology of the market chart that we talked about earlier. Think about what happens during these phases. How do we get into optimism, belief, thrill, and euphoria? It is the narratives centered around the currencies. What's going to happen in 2024? Bitcoin ETF approval, possible regulation of stable coins, possible CBDC launches around the world. All of these catalysts are lining up at the exact time we are entering a bullish phase for the chart. So I think it just, I don't know. I just wanted to point out that correlation there. I think it fits perfectly to what you're saying. Oh, there's going to be so many narratives you're going to hear that's going to drive this thing up. You're going to hear so much positive news like you've never heard before after you know after you get all the footing and pulling out, right? So, and then they're going to just, you know, you see it. If you look on the on the chart there, and we, and we taught this class at 3T Academy. So guys, if you're not part of the Academy, you came in, you would have already known that. We went into deep detail on that chart. But one phase in their abs talks about the media phase. It's where they flip the switch and they turn on the media channel. And then everybody, all the talking heads are all saying the same thing. And they're going to be talking about how great crypto is, how it's a flight to, and you know what Larry said? It's a flight to safety and security. Crypto. The same thing that was a scam and is only used by criminals and you can't touch this thing. It's so bad for you. It's poison. Stay away from it. It's now a flight to safety. It's a flight to safety. Yeah, Jenna, did you know that? It's a flight to safety now. You're gonna oh, hear how I the mean, narrative has changed. Oh my god, it's a heel. It's 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 one of the you're gonna see the biggest heel turn in history. They're gonna be talking about crypto like it's motherhood and pa- apple pie pretty soon. You're gonna see. It's only a matter of time, boys. We're getting there, Ab. You know what's interesting, uh, Abs, about these ETFs, right? Is that in order, you know, yeah, you get first whoever gets approved, or if they all get approved at the same time, you know, it's about market share, right? And so you're going to see these guys diversify the ETF in different ways. Some are going to be less risky where they just buy Bitcoin and they hold it for you. Some of them, they're, they're going to be able to give you the ability to hold your Bitcoin. So the people that are very crypto savvy might like that. But you're going to have other ETFs that are going to take the underlying asset and they're going to loan it out. Why? To make more yield, to make more money. Where have we heard that before, right? Taking the asset and then lending it out and then it gets lent out. And it's what traditional finance sees. So it's not the end-all cure-all is what I'm trying to say. There are going to be different versions of this thing, but it's also going to come with its its kind of problems, right? And I can already foresee the next like bear market, the narratives that play in as these guys come into the space, the kind of silly things that they do, like lending and continuing to leverage things. And then there's some kind of collapse as the leverage gets sucked out of the system. So just wanted to point that out. We're going to run through a couple of quick fire topics here. Johnny Gonzo, Jenna. So we'll just keep the comments brief. We're going to run through about five topics to end this show. Hong Kong advances its CBDC pilot, bringing the EKDC or whatever, E. HKD, that's very confusing for my brain. I don't know why. Trials to phase two. And we talked about this earlier in the episode. Johnny, I just wanted to hear, look at this. Warren Buffett's crypto stock beats Apple and Amazon, but not Bitcoin. Sorry, that just caught my attention. ADD is kicking in, guys, but don't worry. (laughs) Kenya is going to introduce digital IDs for its citizens by the end of the year. The Kenyan government plans to roll out its digital identification system in December of 2023, my birthday month, shout out. As testing begins, which is just a couple of months away, this is putting pressure on other countries to either launch a similar project 
or create regulation to avoid it. So what do you take away from this news here, Johnny? And then we'll continue. There's going to be an interesting battle happening there, right? Very, very interesting battle because that's the thing. Where, you know, they're going to sell it to you as the, the best thing since sliced bread. How great is that digital idea? I saw it the other day. There was a girl, there was a chick on a video and she went to the store. She's like, watch this. And she took her hand and boom, she paid with her. She paid. She paid where she paid her groceries with her hand. And she was so excited. It was the, she thought it was the greatest thing since sliced bread. It's what's going to happen. Same thing's going to happen with digital IDs. Oh, it's the best thing since sliced bread. And so everybody's going to, that's, that's the narrative you're going to hear. I think there'll be some nations that'll be fighting it. You already know that, um, you know, Governor Sanctus in Florida already said no, no CBDC here, no ways to use social crediting scores outside of the social crediting system we have, right? The normal one today, when you go get a loan, you can't use any kind of social stuff related. So I think there will be a battle here in the U.S. apps, but I'm not so sure how many other countries are going to battle or are going to really push hard back against that other than certain states in the U.S. And that's what I'm curious to see. That's the thing to keep an eye on. Gonzo, I wanted your opinion on this one. Did you know over 46 billion XRP uh, which is owned by Ripple, are securely held in the escrow until April of 2027. The question that I have for you is two things. First of all, what is your takeaway from that? Do you think we're going to see a big impact on price in 2027 once this escrow is fully released? Number two, what's your price prediction for that time frame? Wow, man, that's kind of that's kind of far ahead. That, like 2027 <laughs> is pushing us into, um, I think, the downtrend, right? So like if the cycle stays intact, and when we talk about the cycles, it's not just about the Bitcoin cycle. Raul Paul's talked a lot about this, whether it's the election cycle, the Bitcoin cycle, the um, business cycle, the way that they remonetize the debt with the Fed. It's all fallen into like this three or four year cycle that just keeps repeating itself. So where I see us in 2027, if the cycles are intact from November of 2025, we should, we should get close to the all time high to November of 2027 we should be creating our bottom, right? So I imagine some kind of crazy event, that narrative that pushes prices back down, right? For the next cycle. So I see us um, on our way down. I'm it's not so sure. Outside. Johnny, let me ask you something just because we're really short on time. First of all, check this out. XRP back over 60 cents, went down to 58. Now we're back over 60. It would be great to see us break the 62 cent level. That's a pivotal range for the XRP price. And this was a question that I asked our, our live chat today. Does XRP break above 88 cents this year? 88% or sorry, 80% of the 430 votes voted yes. So four out of every five people in our live chat think we're going to touch 90 cents this year. Johnny, close out the show here. What do you think? Do you agree? I mean, I don't think it's such a stretch to think we may get to 80 cents depending on what kind of narratives come out. Um, so it's possible. I mean, it's possible. I mean, I think we'll definitely break that next year for sure, but I'm sure that'd be hundred percent if you ask that. Um, but getting back to Gonzo's point on the, the cycles, you know, I'm curious, I'm not so sure the cycles are going to continue on once the big boys take over this market. I'm really, really curious to see what's going to happen. Don't forget BTC having right now. I think when we cut this having, we're going to be at, we're either going to be at three coins or maybe one and a half for rewards. And then the next one's going to be a half of, or 1.5 or maybe even a half a Bitcoin. So I'm not, I'm curious to see how the whole thing plays out. Are you, can... are you saying it's going to be less volatile and more like the stock market, Johnny? Don't break my heart. I'm sorry, Gemma. All right. I won't break. I, won't <laughs> I think break. eventually it will, but I, I, I think, think it's not yes. about the Bitcoin cycle. It's more about like how the Fed monetizes debt and the money cycle. I think that has more to do than the actual Bitcoin cycle. I think it's a coincidence.
Absolutely, guys. Right. Now, we're going to say close the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Johnny. Thank you to Jenna. And thank you to Gonzo, a.k.a. Super G himself. We got 423 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And tomorrow, Mark Yusko joins the show. So get ready for that episode, ladies and, and gentlemen. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, bye.